More than 19 million U.S. workers and counting have quit their jobs since April 2021, a record pace disrupting businesses everywhere. Companies are struggling to address the problem, and many will continue to struggle for one simple reason. They don't really understand why their employees are leaving in the first place. Rather than take the time to investigate the true causes of attrition, many companies are jumping to well-intentioned quick fixes that fall flat. For example, they're bumping up pay or financial perks without making any effort to strengthen the relational ties people have with their colleagues and their employers. The result? Rather than sensing appreciation, employees sense a transaction. This transactional relationship reminds them that their real needs aren't being met. Now more than ever, people want authentic connection at work. Welcome to the Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Sarah Colantonio. Our intention for the Behaviors podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift towards joy and meaningful achievement. And today we're turning our focus to relational cultures in the workplace. I'm grateful to have Kedrin Crosby from our Work Wisdom joining us today. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Yes. Um, you kind of had to, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> So I was um, quoting from McKinsey Quarterly, and that article goes on to say, if the past 18 months have taught us anything, it's that employees crave investment in the human aspects of work. Employees are tired and many are grieving. They want a renewed and revised sense of purpose in their work. They want social and interpersonal connections with their colleagues and managers. They want to feel a sense of shared identity. Yes, they want pay, benefits, and perks, but more than that, they want to feel valued by their organizations and managers. They want meaningful, and this is the interesting part, (laughs) though not necessarily in-person interactions, not just transactions. Mm. So this was a massive study Mm -hmm. across many industries, many different countries. Are you surprised by the results? Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. And I... um, I keep on wondering, did did COVID exacerbate this trend? Did the pandemic exacerbate the trend because people started thinking about what's truly meaningful to them over the last mm. year and a half? Um, but no, I feel like this has been written on the wall for years, and we've been seeing it in a variety of ways. Obviously, work wisdom is all about emotional intelligence, how to be human at work, how to have whole person workplaces and cultures. Um, Not surprised. (laughs) Not surprised. I think what was surprising was uh, that data in in that article in McKinsey where they talked about why people are leaving the workplace. And sorry if you're going to get to this later in the podcast, but there was some statistic about um, the number one reason why they were leaving their jobs was because they didn't feel valued by their organization. And I think that was 52% of people. Were were you going to quote that? No. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, And then the second highest was um, close behind. And I think it was still around 50% of people were leaving their workplaces because they didn't feel valued by their manager. Yeah. 
And then it was in the 30s about not feeling a sense of belonging. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, just, Ooh. but those numbers were surprising mm-hmm. that half of people are leaving their jobs because they don't feel valued. I mean, that's not something that costs much. Right. Right? Yeah. So, anyhow, kind of shocking. So, in order to attract talent or retain talent when so many people are leaving, the authors suggest going through a series of questions to do a a self-check in your own organization. So I want you to tell me what you think of some of these questions. One of the self-check questions is, do we shelter toxic leaders? I mean, that's everything. Yeah. As as the kids on the Instagram would say, <laughs> that's everything. I mean, yes, t- toxic leaders uh, destroy mm. workplaces. They destroy the relational aspects mm. of workplaces. And since we know people want to, ha- to have relational workplaces, they're moving towards relational workplaces. Getting rid of the toxic leaders should be priority number one, mm. in my opinion. So, you know, one one bit of data that I really love was from an article in uh, HBR in 2020, March 2020. Um, the article was called How to Spot an Incompetent Leader. There was this interesting assessment in there that we've you know, batted around at work wisdom. But um, there's a data point that says the economic impact of avoiding a toxic worker is two times higher than that of hiring a star (laughs) performer. So when you think about what we're doing in the workplaces, very often we're trying to attract star performers. We would financially and otherwise be um, wise to mm-hmm. look for the toxic workers and just eliminate them. We'd go farther faster, wouldn't we? Yeah. 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 And it reminds me of a question that we often ask people, you know, on their teams, what are behaviors that they should drop versus what do we need to start adopting? Yeah. And same concept here. It's like essentialism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What With do we need people. to get rid of? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and this is an interesting question, is our work environment transactional? What do you think of that one? Well, I think that most work environments have been created to be transactional. Mm. And this might be a holdover from Frederick Taylor and the Industrial you know, Revolution and this idea of management versus leadership. So management is the science of creating efficiency in the workplace. Um, Now, leadership is more about vision casting, inspiring, motivating, building relationships. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't want to condemn management, but, you know, management, the science of management is about creating efficiencies, um, evaluating work and it can feel more transactional than relational. So it might, it might also just be, um, understanding the difference and then having workplaces shift in the direction of relational leading, inspiring, motivating Mm -hmm. when it's necessary. Management is also really important sometimes. Okay. And maybe that question is more like, is that the underlying vibe Mm -hmm. (laughs) versus 
when it's used when it's needed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another question is, our, are our benefits aligned with our employees' priorities? We need to listen. Mm-hmm. We need to observe and listen. So we need to ask our employees what's <laughs> meaningful to you, um, what would make you feel valued, and then we have to listen. And then we need to put uh, resources behind what we hear. So, so many people are saying that their families are increasingly a priority. Mm. Some of that is because there weren't daycares and there weren't, you know, kids weren't going to school. So we had to pay more attention to family life. And so thinking, what does that portend for our organization? How can we resource the priorities of our people if, if our people's priorities are family? Yeah. So it may okay. be that it's health. It may be that it's well-being, um, balance. I think it's just a matter of um, making sure that we are humbly inquiring without assuming that we know the answer to that. Yeah. And then, and then being extremely serious about aligning the resources and behavior with what we hear. Hmm. Uh, the last question, there's more questions in this, but I just wanted to see what you thought of them. The last one I'm going to ask you about, I think you're going to like this one. It's, are we building a sense of community? Mm. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I find it surprising to be in a workplace, like a question about a workplace, but it makes sense if belonging is so important, value, yeah. fe- feeling valued. Yeah. Well, and as you know, because you work at Work Wisdom, you know, we work, uh, we work with so many community type organizations. So we work with so many community foundations, um, community conservation groups, Mm -hmm. community health groups. So we think about communitarianism and, you know, Emile Etzioni all the time. Um, But thinking about how do we build a community into our workplaces is really interesting. I I think about even Rock Lidditz, um, that is a community. Now, mm-hmm. I think it's maybe 40 companies that are part of that community. There are certain elements of community that we know are key. And so as businesses are thinking more and more of themselves as a community, they might want to think more about relationships, mm-hmm. <laughs> trust, mm-hmm. psychological safety, um, the social contract the psychological contracts that we have with each other, the glue, um, warmth. Mm. What does forgiveness even look like? How do we build bonds? Mm. So it's a different way of seeing work. Yeah, definitely. So what advice do you have for leaders who want to have a more relational, organizational culture? I know that's a big question. Mm. Yeah. How many time? How many minutes do we have? Adam? <laughs> how many hours do we have for this question? Um, what advice do I have for leaders who want to have a more relational organizational culture? Well, I think it starts with self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And so it always goes back to that self-knowledge that then trickles into our awareness 
that then shifts our behavior. Right. What was unconscious is now conscious, and we can make different choices. So I think that those leaders should spend some time becoming more self-aware around how they resonate and their contagion and their behaviors, uh, their own skillfulness about building and modeling relationships. Mm. So I think that's where I would start. Maybe I would then shift to putting my attention on affinity distance rather than physical distance or operational distance, but affinity distance meaning um, how connected do we feel to each other? Do we have a shared identity? Um, You get get, uh, to minimize affinity distance by thinking about sharing stories, being vulnerable, um, really actively listening to each other. Um, so, so that would probably be the second bit of advice I would give to leaders who are trying to shift towards a relational organizational culture. What do you think? You're, you're actually writing our book right now, which is called relate, which is all about relationships in the workplace. What else, what, what advice would you give to leaders? Well, just when you were saying affinity distance, then the leader would really need to think about creating those moments. Like, yeah. can you do it in a check-in before this meeting starts? Mm-hmm. Or can you create... Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's... And I guess it would depend on the organization and the team and what makes sense for them. But mm-hmm. I, it seems to me it requires some creativity. Yeah. And... You know, the other thing is, and this is a big part of really, is trust, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably one of the most, I always think of it as just in terms of relationships anyway, any relationship, mm-hmm. <laughs> but having trust and building that and maintaining that. And repairing so, it. And repairing it, right, and being willing to. Mm-hmm. I think I think that happens on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Saying you're going to do something and then doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah, what do you think about trust? I think I I miss it in the world. Yeah, you know I think that um, I uh, we want to trust our leaders. Um, you know, just watching what's been happening in Glasgow over the last week, I want to trust that those world leaders are congruent mm-hmm. <laughs> with. You know, okay, we've said what we're we've said the targets we're tr- going to try and hit. Now let's line up that behavior. So yeah. I want I want to trust them. Trust, of course, is, uh, it's our relationship with the unknown. Mm-hmm. And that's what Rachel, Rachel Botsman, the trust fellow at Oxford calls it. So thinking about how can we embolden our teammates to have this, um, this relationship with what's uncertain and mm-hmm. how can we help them feel comfortable taking a leap um, and trusting us. Mm. So I love the trust triangle. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. You want to, you want to expand on that? Yeah. So this is from, uh, I think the name of the article was, it begins with trust Mm -hmm. Harvard business review. I forget when it came out, but it was pre pandemic, I think, Mm -hmm. but it's this idea Francis free and is her name Ann Morris? Mm -hmm. Yeah 
really studied trust and they understood that there were these three different drivers of trust. So three things that really create trust or erode trust. So the one driver of trust is authenticity. Mm. Is this person who they say they are? Mm If they're shining it on, we stop trusting them. <laughs> um, secondly, the second driver of trust is um, judgment or logic. Right. I feel like reliability folds up into sure. that driver. So, you know, does this person have a wobble uh, in their logic? Um, do they need to tighten up their syllogisms? And then the third driver is empathy. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so actually, we probably should be talking more about empathy because I think empathy is really important in mm-hmm. building community, yeah. in building a sense of belonging in mm-hmm. the workplace and relationships. And so, you know, those are the three drivers of trust, but. I think most significantly over the last year and a half, and we did some research last summer during, well, actually it was two summers ago at the beginning of COVID, asking leaders which of these three drivers of trust did they think wobbled Mm -hmm. (laughs) during during COVID, and most of them said it was empathy, that they had not been sufficiently empathetic when it all fell apart. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I think that that's really where we should be doubling down, whether, whether we're thinking of it more as compassion, mm-hmm. um, compassion for ourselves and for our teams, or, or actual empathy. Um, they're both really related yeah. to relationships. <laughs> <laughs> you often help organizations and teams with culture shaping. And I'm wondering if there's an ideal culture for being relational, or is this something all organizations need to be mindful of, or they're just they're going to lose people? Hmm. Well, the literature, <laughs> the research. Um, so we we sometimes use the competing values framework, which is a positive organizational mm-hmm. behavior tool. Um, out of University of Michigan. So in the competing values framework, there are four types of culture. There's hierarchy, there's family culture, uh, there's market culture, and there's ad hocracy. And so that family culture, they call it clan culture, we call it family culture, um, is all about relationships. And so that's traditionally been the one that I would say, yep, that that's the one that if you're really thinking about building relationships, um, that would be the type of culture. However, I, I, I think things are changing. Also in the Groisberg model, um, the integrated values framework, um, there's, there's a culture type, there, there are eight different types of culture in that framework. And one is called the caring culture. So that would be the one that really is focused on relationships, sense of belonging, um, compassion, empathy. Mm. However, this is what I think, and I don't have any data on this, but I think that right now in history, all the types of culture are benefiting from leaning into relational practices. And so whether you're market or results oriented or ad hocracy or fun or whatever your type of culture is, um, I think weaving in some practices 
uh, to become more relational will be beneficial. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, I should hope so. Okay. I, I, it seems too stark to yeah. say, yeah, you have to be this kind of culture. Well, to- you know, and we could probably have a whole podcast on this because over the last couple of years, I've seen cultures that are actually truly market cultures and they start trying to pretend that they are family culture. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing all these behaviors that are not market culture, that are more like highly collaborative family culture, and it doesn't work for them. Mm-hmm. And so we have to work with them and say, it's okay to be market culture. Mm-hmm. Own it, embrace it. And you can like each other too. You don't have to, it's not mad men, right. you know? Um, but right. so it's okay to be who you are. You don't have to quote Brene Brown all day long, yeah. you know, and you can still be yourselves. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brene Brown. But, but some organizations should be quoting Brene Brown all day long. Yeah. But others, maybe. They don't need to. Maybe they need to like look at their P&L. So in doing some of this research for Relate, there are a ton of benefits to, you know, having a relational culture. Um, so besides attracting talent, what what sticks out to you um, as a benefit or as more benefits to having a relational culture? Hmm. I was talking to a client about this the other day, and this might be another podcast. I think workplaces can be petri dishes for having us grow as human beings Mm. and having us grow in all the parts of our lives and that our workplaces can give us the kinds of challenges to make us deeply introspective and experiment Mm. with better ways of being. And so I don't think I'm overstating by saying maybe one of the benefits of of relational workplaces is that we get to be better people yeah or at least to try yeah yeah okay in all the parts of our lives so we might we might learn something about um listening or Mm. humility or um connection at work and then take it into our family life Mm. and and that helps us grow the whole way around yeah beautiful i love it I'm so grateful to you for being part of this movement of helping others in the workplace to enhance their individual and collective team performance. Thank you listeners for downloading The Behaviorist. We do hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and Productions. Ask questions and give suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. As is our custom, we'll leave you with a quote. This is uh, in Vivek Murthy's book, Together. He says, friendship is fundamental to successful professional relationships. It's in our relationships that we find the emotional sustenance and power we need to thrive. Mm